Okay, so there's a few people missing, I guess. But never mind, I'll start. <laughs> so, it's your last day. But we still got a little bit of meditation to do. So, um, yeah, just try to make the opportunity and use the time that you have left. So, I think I'll just start off um, talking about uh, meditation and just trying to give you guys just a different way of looking at things to give you an, an understanding of how to um, set your minds when you're meditating and trying to kind of give you a, a way to look at it which doesn't make it seem so difficult to do the practice. I always like the idea of just sitting down and doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. So you just take your minds from whatever you're doing and sit on a meditation cushion and just allow things to be. That, in a sense, is doing nothing. And uh, Marjan Brahm always talks about that. He says, um, in order for him to get into like the deeper states of meditation, uh, Arjun Brahm has to disappear. So what he's saying is, is he's just taking away all his control, all his thoughts, all the things that make up uh, Arjun Brahm. He takes it away, and just and just comes into the meditation with that kind of attitude. Um, with that kind of um, method, just being able to sit down and do nothing. And the funny thing is, um, if you do nothing, you get everything. <laughs> you get everything. <laughs> you get the joys and the happiness and the understandings and the insights from just doing nothing. And I always like the example of um, when Arjun Chah was in America and he was doing a little bit of teaching. And at this point, he was, um, he was getting quite sickly. And, and yeah, so as usual, when a teacher goes somewhere, um, there's somebody on the other side organizing talks for them to give. So they may travel here, may travel there. And they give talks about the Dhamma and talks about meditation. And sometimes they even get to teach a meditation retreat. And, and the one thing, or there's a couple of things that comes to mind is uh, for, for the practice is when we're, when we're approaching the practice, we're trying to do it as naturally as possible instead of trying to control how we do the practice. So when he was like um, watching people do walking meditation, <laughs> and they were just like walking really slowly, like fully controlled, you know, just walking slowly, walking slowly, walking slowly, walking slowly. And um, he thought that was kind of odd. And to himself, that wasn't the right practice because the people who were doing it in that way, 
because we're just putting too much like control into it. But instead, it would tell people, if you're doing walking meditation, is to try to do it as naturally as possible. So what he was saying is, um, take away all of your ideas and control about how you want to do your walking meditation and just walk at a natural pace, walking up and down, up and down. And when I heard that, it kind of uh, gave me the message that when we're meditating, we're meditating to just allow things to be, to just do nothing and allow the process to happen. And then um, he would be like giving talks and people would ask him, Ajahn Chah, how would you meditate? And then, and you know Ajahn Chah, he's like, by this time he's been meditating for many, many years and um, his, his meditation is so good that he can go quite deep, quite fast. And to illustrate the point, when he was... When he was in hospital and he was dying, um, he would get into such deep meditation where he would stop breathing. <laughs> he would stop breathing. And then the monks who were looking after him, they kind of freaked out. It's like, oh my gosh, I killed Ajahn Chah. I made heaps of bad karma. <laughs> I don't think they thought that. But they, were, they, they freaked out because they didn't want to be there when the master died. So, um, so I think um, so. But some of the monks weren't concerned because they they knew that he has gone into a deep state of meditation, and you can sort of see in that. So you can sort of like if you investigate a little bit more deeply, being in a, like a coma state, uh, coma coma like state, a person's will or a person's like ability to think or to do, that's like completely taken away. You're just there and just being there. So, so, so he was still able to get into those deep states of meditation and to, and to confirm that he was still alive, the nurses that were around him um, took a blood sample and found out that there was still oxygen in his blood so the monks could calm down and <laughs> relax. <laughs> so then, so yeah, that's what Ajahn Chah would say. He would just say, I would just sit down and do nothing. Do nothing and everything will just happen by itself. And then when you think about it, you think about um, his life and his training, and it just all goes back to the beginning, to how he planted those seeds um, to be able to um, develop himself over the years. And it just starts off with just little things that we do from now on, um, you know, the little bit of kindness that you give people, uh, the time you spend to meditate, uh, the time and just learning how to let go. 
And that's one of the nice things that I've learnt over the years is that you don't need to carry things around. You know, we all like to give examples of carrying um, heavy backpacks on our shoulders. We got like the backpack of the past and the backpack of the future. And when it's all said and done and when we're alone, we're not able to let it go. So over the years, that's what I've learned is, yeah, during the day, you may interact with people, you may do some building work, uh, you may have some problems to solve. But when all that is done, we can go back to our homes, we can go back and be alone and not allow the activities of the day to kind of drag on in our minds. So, in, so that in itself, when you look at it, there's, some, there's a freedom there. There is a freedom there that leads to a sense of like contentment. Just contentment. Just stemming from um, the little practices that you do every day. And there's like this idea of con contentment and what causes us to be discontent is um, like wanting. And Nigel Brown tells this story about the, I can't really remember, about the three kids and they had, they were all granted a wish. <laughs> they were all granted a wish. So, um, so yeah, imagine that. Imagine if somebody gave you a wish. <laughs> what would it be? Everybody's got a different idea. Everybody wants something different from one another. So, um, so these three kids, they were granted a wish each. And the first kid, um, being, I don't know, two or three or four, likes to eat ice cream. <laughs> so he said, oh, if I get a wish, um, I want to get some ice cream, unlimited amounts, so I can eat it for breakfast, eat it for lunch, and eat it for dinner. And my parents cannot tell me off. <laughs> and, and then the, the second kid thought that he was um, a little bit smarter. So then he was like, oh, this kid has you know, he wants ice cream. But me, I'm going to be a lot smarter than him. I want to have an ice cream, ice cream factory. So I can have unlimited ice cream. And on top of that, I can make my own. <laughs> I can make myself peanut butter and jelly ice cream. <laughs> Vegan ice cream. <laughs> All sort, even tofu ice cream. But who would want to eat that? <laughs> so then, like, oh. And then the third kid was, was, um, was the quiet one. It's a contemplative one. 
Even, <laughs> even though he was three or four, he had a streak of wisdom in him. And he thought about the other kids. And he thought, oh, one kid wanted something. And another kid wanted an- another thing. And it seems like this one thing just keeps on going on and on and on. And if I were to be granted wishes all the time, I would never stop wanting stuff. And that would be one big, massive headache for me. So when he was granted the wish, um, he said, I want for nothing. (laughs) And that person uh, in the story was the Buddha. Just the idea of just wanting for nothing. Just giving us like, um, just like a different, different way of looking at things, a way of looking at things, which um, settles our minds and our hearts, um, which you know makes us feel content. But you know, as I talk about being content. At the same time, we have to live our lives as well. So when it comes to kind of trying to incorporate these things into our lives, we try to find a balance. Because if you're at work and you start to practice contentment, all your co-workers will start complaining about you. (laughs) So there is a time and place for these things to be developed. So yeah, in a sense, from, so from my understanding, even though we're monks, we still live in the world, we still have our duties, we still have to think, but we just live different lives, and we are just all human beings, basically. And what I found out over the years is that we're just trying to find a little balance in our lives. Yeah. Instead of just going all out and working too hard um, to the point that we burn ourselves out, we try to take a step back from that and give us um, some time for meditation and just to find activities that help us relax. So, yeah. It's like, um, yeah, always like a, a fine balance. And then, yeah, and then you just see how things go. It's not too complicated. (laughs) And so, yeah, you know, when we, I was just thinking, you know, what kind of guided meditation I would want to do for the last one. And I kind of thought that it'd probably be a good time to kind of just generate kind of fluffy feelings. (laughs) so there's certain things that make us all feel a little bit fluffy on the inside (laughs) and um, and so luckily for me today um, the thing that makes me kind of happy is to see my my nephew my nephew he's he's like one and a bit years old and 
he's like half Korean, half half uh, Vietnamese, Chinese. But he's so cute. <laughs> he's so cute. When he was young, one he would just like point his finger like this. He's like a one-year-old just pointing his finger, and it looks kind of funny. And he doesn't really know what he's pointing at. <laughs> but he's kind of cute. And, um, and yeah, it's just different things kind of... Different things kind of work for different people. Yeah. For some people, when they want to generate kind of thoughts of loving kindness, they may think about teddy bears. <laughs> or they may think about... Um, think about a family member or some people like animals so they use that as a um, as a, a tool to kind of generate those those nice emotions and to be honest I don't really I don't really do these kinds of practices um, I guess because it's just I don't know it's just a way just the way maybe for myself, that's how monastic life works. Is like, there's, you're always just focusing on peace and being mindful. And sometimes, um, for myself anyways, these kinds of practices doesn't really come to mind. But over the years, um, I can see how it actually works and how you can sort of like generate these feelings. Um, because I have them myself, and and it's just using the mind and just just thinking about things to just bring up a sense of like um, gratitude and, and joy, um, and that and taking that emotion and using it for the meditation. So as we're doing it, uh, we're just I'll just guide you, I guess like I usually do and hopefully it may help and generate these nice feelings so yeah um, so yeah we can we can get started so we're just allowing our minds to settle in the moment And just take time to slow down.
I mean, this meditation, we're just trying to generate um, feelings of gratitude, um, loving kindness in our hearts. But always remember, I always like to um, like to say that there's always like the silence and the mindfulness in the foreground. So we can generate some feelings of loving kindness just by thinking about our parents. Just a connection that you have with them. knowing that they will always accept you no matter who you are. And you always accept your parents no matter who, who they are. And there's something nice and uh, not really fluffy, but <laughs> there's something nice about it. So we're just allowing our lifelong connection with our parents to trigger some some nice emotions.
as we're doing that, we're surrounding our minds with silence and peace. And the sounds of cockatoos. And also take a bit of time to have gratitude towards your parents. Because without them, you wouldn't be here. The time they've taken to take care of you when you were helpless as a child. And also just be grateful that you have good parents. And just be grateful to your parents because if you ask them for anything and if they have the resources, they will give it to you without overthinking it. The the care and the love a parent gives to their children is something that they don't give to they, that they don't give to anybody else. So, in a sense, our parents are a special a special part of our lives.
then you can be grateful towards your friends, especially the good, the, like the good best friends. A friend that allows you to just be yourself. A friend that allows you to complain about whatever. And when you're complaining, they're showing your showing, giving giving you some giving you some support. Be, it's easy to be grateful. Easy to be grateful to those kinds of friends that we have in our lives. kinds of friends we're thankful for the support they've given us and in return we can send them some loving kindness Showing them some appreciation for the things that they've done for you.
Uh, we can send some kindness and gentleness uh, to the people who are around us. Uh, fellow meditators, the people in this room. It's a nice time to be able to generate feelings of kindness towards one another, feelings of gentleness, and just being able to just give it without expecting anything in return. We're just giving this kindness and gentleness without the people knowing that we're giving it to them. Just giving out of goodwill some kindness to the people in this room. And at the same time, allow minds to become more quieter, more stable.
we can have a sense of gratitude towards the Buddha because without him this place wouldn't be here. He has, in a sense, given us the opportunity to meditate. And given us a few pointers to develop a healthy mind. He was like a human being like each and every one of us. And he did what we were doing now. Just sitting quietly, developing the mind. And he was able to teach other people to do the same thing to reach the same goals which allowed us to keep Buddhism alive until this day. So yeah, just a little bit of gratitude towards the Buddha. So now I'm just going to sit quietly for five, for about five minutes and then I'll hit the gong and we can all come out of the meditation.
<laughs> All right. Any any questions? I'll just open up for a little bit some questions if you want to ask before the retreat ends. Anything on your mind? Any deep questions? What's the meaning of life? <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> Anybody? Oh yes. I guess um, you guys want to take a photo? Yeah? Okay.